Okay. We spoke in the previous Vadim about learning the Gemara Bukhiyas. And I said next I have to talk about rules for Rashi. I didn't mean that we have to first learn the Gemara and only afterwards learn Rashi. Sometimes we can't understand what the Gemara is saying with that Rashi. And sometimes we have to learn Rashi together with the Gemara just to understand what the Gemara means. And that's for sure true. One of Rashi's jobs was to explain the Gemara to us so that we have, the, so to speak, the, someone to guide us and explain us what the Gemara wants. And sometimes Rashi throws in the word of explanation, commentary, uh, even punctuation sometimes. It just so it helps us read the Gemara. So, if, of course, if a person wants to learn the Gemara with Rashi, there's no problem with that. What I wanted to talk about more is understanding how to learn Rashi properly because obviously Rashi isn't just going to be a, a simple translation of the Gemara. Rashi is what to say as well. And it's Dafka, the godless of Rashi, that he managed to catch what he said in such such few words and such seemingly simple words. And that's not my comment. The Ramban says that. The Ramban says that the greatness of Rashi is that how much he was able to put into a few words. I'm saying parenthetically, as you can see this. The two or three times in Shasana are not very many. When Rashi elaborates and explains why he wrote the word he did, so you can write a whole paragraph and he explains why there was another opinion of the Gemara and why it makes no sense and why he disproves it from the context and from the logic and from the rise and from the sparse, from the cheshpan. And then if we say, that's why I said the one word I said. And you think, wow, tremendous depth and logic into just explaining why Rashi chose a certain word over a different one. So then I think this is like opening a window, so to speak, into Rashi. But even though he didn't always bother to go to the tremendous elaboration to explain why he chose to explain something the way he did, we understand that that elaboration is there. Now again, that level of analysis will leave for Ian. Right now, tools for Rashi, I'm going to say five simple tools for Rashi. Simple because you need to understand them. To apply them to each Rashi, maybe it needs a little more explanation. We're starting with two axioms. The first one is Rashi wasn't just coming to be a simple uh, translation of the Gemara. Rashi is saying had what to say also on a deeper level. And secondly, Rashi knew what all the other Rishonim were going to ask of him. And therefore, Rashi took the trouble to answer the questions for us. I'm not one saying it, the Chidah writes that. He says, if you learn the Rashi carefully, you'll find within Rashi the answers to all the questions that the other Rishonim ask of him. It just needs a careful reading and understanding how Rashi works. Okay, so with that introduction, again, to be able to decipher the answer in Rashi to each question, needs a certain amkus and needs a certain eon, we aren't talking about that now. But first let's talk about tools, how to deal with Rashi. The first question is, you see Rashi, is, is what's Rashi adding? What's Rashi adding? Is Rashi just saying the Gemara in the same words again? Or is Rashi coming to add something? And normally, unless it's just a translation word, or it's just a... Like sometimes uses the French to translate words. So if it's anything more than that, then Rashi is coming to add something. Even some simpl- simplistic lines that Rashi often writes in Mishnahis, with Gemara Yarifla, with Gemara Mefarishla, Rashi is coming to say something. Why Rashi tell us the Gemara is going to explain it? Right? Obviously, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to understand. There's an obvious question here. There's an obvious question here, and without the reassurance, don't worry, you aren't alone. The Gemara thought of this question, we will get stuck. So if you learn to Mishnah or Brisa and you see the Rashi says, but Gemara is going to explain it, ask it, before it, whatever it is, then if you, if you haven't thought of an obvious question what's just been said, you're obviously missing something in the chat. Go back and look again. Go back and look again. Rashi doesn't always advise you the Gemara is going to talk about it. Rashi only does that 
when without that you wouldn't be able to move forward because otherwise you get stuck by the question which has to be asked. So that's the one eye opener. Rashi is telling us there's something to ask you. There's something which doesn't make sense. You need more information. And that therefore will check us in our learning. Did we find it? Do we, do we understand what Rashi's problem was? Okay. And then again, we're not talking about that level now, but there's a difference between Rashi's and Yarit law or Mufarish law. Or Mufarish law. But Gemara, the, the choice of the order of the words is also different. So that's one point. What, the general rule in Rashi, what's Rashi coming to add? What is the Gemara saying without Rashi and what did Rashi add to us? Now, the next nafkamin is, the next question is, I have hard questions. After asking what's Rashi coming to add, the question is, does that change the way we understood the Gemara before? In other words, is Rashi coming to Mechadish something? We wouldn't have understood the Gemara with that point, and Rashi came to add it on. It's changing what we understand the Gemara. Now, this is a, if, if we didn't understand the Gemara, and Rashi came to explain it to us, we can't say, well, without Rashi, we didn't understand, now we do. And Rashi came to explain. But very often, if you look carefully, Rashi is coming to say something not exactly what I would have thought had I not seen Rashi. Now that I've seen Rashi, I understand. That's the, that's the way I'm going to understand. But Rashi is coming to say something that changes the way we would have understood without him. So look carefully. What did the, what, how would the Gemara have read without Rashi? And now what Rashi is saying, how does it change it? So I'm saying, what's Rashi adding? I say, what's Rashi changing? And now, again, this is more of an even point, but just to think a second, why did Rashi change it? We might not have an answer for it at this stage, but just be aware. Rashi is saying something which there is another way to, it's not this, maybe the only way to read the Gemara. Rashi had a reason to kind of insert something which gives us a different slant to the Gemara. So that's our second point. What's Rashi, did Rashi add anything, or what did Rashi add, and what did Rashi change? And now the third point, and that is, does Rashi bring a raya for what he's saying? Sometimes Rashi will bring another Gemara or a Pasuk or whatever it's going to be as a raya for what he's saying. Sometimes Rashi says something and he just leaves it like that. He makes a comment. He doesn't feel the need to back it up and prove it to you. That's significant. Because normally, I can't say in every case, but normally, when Rashi is adding something and he's not bringing you a proof, it's because the proof's in the Sugi itself. It's only when Rashi needs to go far afield to find the proof that he goes and shows you the other Gemara or the Makar from wherever it is. Otherwise, the proof's here itself. Just look for it. And then again, the person starts to notice, where did Rashi see what he says in the Gemara? And that's another you said. The principle of Rashi is Rashi read the Gemara very carefully. And therefore, when he's coming to say something, then he's coming, normally, in the Nachos David writes, as he said in learning Rashi, Normally, you'll find the hecher for Rashi said in the sugi itself. Rashi said we need to say because that's the only way to read the Gemara. And if you're not going to say that, there would be a difficulty somewhere in the Gemara. So therefore, if you're asking where did Rashi get it from, what's his proof? Unless he brings you some outside proof, the proof is the sugi itself. One has to try and mind how to think like Rashi did. That's, again, not so easy to do. But again, as a rule. As a rule, when Rashi adds something, and he doesn't give a reason for it, the reason is okay itself. Somewhere in the Gemara, Rashi was forced to say what he's saying. That's the third point. The fourth point. And that is, this is a, this is a point we'll only will see in hindsight, and that is, when Rashi chose not to say anything. Sometimes we'll find that Rashi discusses something, makes a few, a few word comment on it, sometimes Rashi says nothing. 
But we will look then and see that the Rosh and the Taisus and the Ran, or the Rashmal, whatever it is, discuss and ask and argue. Where is Rashi gone? If it's such a question which all the Rishonim are discussing, debating, why did Rashi leave it? He remained silent. Why didn't he say anything? Again, the axiom is Rashi did not think of the question. If Rashi doesn't say anything about it, it's because according to Rashi, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say because the way Rashi learned the Gemara, the question wasn't the question. Either it wasn't a question because it's already been resolved, or because it doesn't affect the way he's explaining the sugya. And therefore, that's another new field to consider. Another new field to consider is Rashi's silence. Rashi's silence. It means that Rashi didn't feel there was the need to answer or discuss the question here. There must be some other way of learning according to him, either that he's already answered it, or that it's not relevant to the discussion. Our Gemara is not going to change because of the question. And last point, where does Rashi say something? And this is often confusing. Look carefully. Sometimes Rashi says something to explain the Havamin of the Gemara. It's not going to be the Maskana. Rashi wasn't talking the Maskana then, he was talking the Havamin. Sometimes Rashi is saying a certain point to explain one opinion in the Gemara. In reality, we pass like the other one. Sometimes Rashi is saying something to explain a question. Sometimes Rashi is coming to explain the answer. He's providing a running commentary. We can't pask in everything Rashi says, we assume that that's what Rashi holds. We have to see where in the Sugi Rashi says it. At that stage of the Sugi, he needs to say it. And when we start noticing placement where Rashi says something, you'll notice an amazing thing. And that is often, the time to explain something is the first time the Gemara brings it. That's when we need to introduce it to the concept. But if you look very it happens that sometimes Rashi doesn't discuss it at the beginning. Later on in the Sugi, that's when Rashi chooses to talk about it. And that should always raise the question. If Rashi wanted to explain this to us, why didn't he explain it right at the beginning? Why is it only relevant to tell us at this stage of the Gemara? And therefore, again, to answer the questions one has to be holding in the Sugya. And one has to then go back and look at the Sugya and try and decipher Rashi. But if you're talking about tools to ask in Rashi, to understand Rashi, our five tools are, bring them quickly. Number one, what does Rashi add? What's he coming to say? What are the extra words he's saying coming to add to what we were thought about that? Rashi didn't say things for nothing. Number two, what does it change? Number three, does Rashi bring a proof or not? And if not, the proof must be the Gemara itself. Number four, when does Rashi choose not to talk? And number five, lastly, is replacement. Where does Rashi choose to talk? And then if a person examines, uh, again, to examine each Rashi like this is a tremendous avoider. Love Dafka, a person has the time or the ability to do that. It's also, one can't always answer the questions right away. It's maybe sometimes only after seeing the other Rishonim, then a person chaps. Now I understand what Rashi was coming to do. He was coming to answer the Tosis Ruth's question. He was coming to say something so that uh, because of this, the, the Tosis chance won't be shver, whatever it's going to be. A person can't always answer the questions, but at least the person should be aware of it. That when a person learns a Rashi, is it just an explanation word, or is there more to what Rashi is trying to put across? As we'll see. And then Rashi Islam will come back to it. Learning Bakiyas really is learning Gemara Rashi. That's already the side of the Gemara and knowing what the Gemara says. There are other Rishadim, of course, and it's time to learn them as well. But that's already Begadir Iyon. That's already coming to analyze different approaches to the Sugya. Even Taisus is already Begadir Iyon. The Pnei Shur writes, and the same thing the Maharal writes, that the way to learn at the beginning is to learn the Gemara's just Gemara Rashi. 
That way a person knows the, the framework of the Gemara. Yes, it's the framework of the Gemara's Rashi's explanation, but that's our fallback position. That's our starting point. If after that a person wants to go and now look at a new Mahalik in the Gemara and weigh up different options how to learn a Sugya, that's already beginning. Even that we'll talk about Ba'ez Hashem, we learn even how to learn different Mephoshim, different Shittas, and how to weigh them up against each other and explain them, understand them. In the meantime, at least you have a framework for learning Bakis. The main thing, practice it. Practice it. Get used to when you finish with the Chavrusa, close the Gemara and say, let's say it outside. Take turns. You have someone to listen to you. You have someone to correct you. If your Chavrusa doesn't know the Gemara as well, let him follow inside when you're talking to see, are you missing out anything? And now once you've done it, let him have a chance to do it. You follow him. When it comes to the second reading of the Gemara, to check how the accuracy, again, you have a Chavrusa, let them check while you speak so you can see that how much you're accurate what the Gemara is saying. And the last point. This provides the starting point. This provides the framework that a person is going to know what the Gemara says clearly. To know the Sugi clearly. It doesn't mean there's no further need for Chazara. There's always needs for Chazara. But if a person knows the Gemara well, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If a person knows the Gemara well, the Chazara should be very quick. It's only when a person does know the Gemara well and therefore has to struggle to try and remember what came next or put together one of the pieces and then most of the work is the trying to rebuild the sugar because he's not remembering it. That's what takes time. When something is quick and something is clear in a person's mind and every stage follows logically the next, then a person can chazer a daf outside in a minute. Yes, a daf in a minute. We've done this experience a few times here in the yeshiva. You can go through a daf, know it well, and see, can we go through the main points of daf in a minute? Now, there are those daf in which one can't, I agree. Daf in which I put of it, and just to say the names of the psukim will take more than it, I'm not talking about. But an average daf, when you're basically not saying word for the gemara, you're explaining the sugya, the give and take, the questions, the answers, there's no reason the person can't do it in a minute. If a person builds it into the framework of the numbers, the gemara asks, the gemara gives four answers. The gemara brings two opinions, the gemara brings a rai, and the gemara, oh, he's done for the rai. Then in a few seconds, you just put in the, the missing points for each sugya, whatever it is, and you'll see if a person's clear enough, that Chazari gets quicker and quicker. And not only that, we start to feel what the Vilnagon said, and that is the person enjoys the Chazara more and more. It's only when it's painful and it's difficult and it's laborious because I don't know what's happening. I have to try and remember and then I forget. And I have to try and remember again. And Chazara becomes something which a person doesn't like. When it's Kishmak, and, and each stuff follows the next. And what came next? And I know it well. And the next stuff, I know it well. And the next stuff, I know it well. And I can say a series of four, that five, that six, that ten, that twenty, that thirty, that whatever it's going to be. One after the next, and everything's clear to me. So then, on the one hand, it's something a person enjoys more and more, and at the same time, as a person is more and more motivated to do Chazara again and again, because he doesn't want to lose a Kenyan like, that he has, in in however many Tafim, Prakim, and eventually Mesechtas that he knows. That's the Ekeh point. That's the Ekeh point. Abdelim Bekis, in Ba'ez Hashem, let's try that. We have a few weeks left as man. You have that daf left to learn, try it out. And you'll see for yourselves the difference between a daf which you know that well and daf which you've already learned without knowing it so well. And uh, it's much harder. It's much harder to remember it, it's much harder to revise it. Rabbi Vasman writes this. He says the sugis that he learned in this way, he knew much better. The sugis he didn't learn this way, even though he did many chazars, he never knew as well. And we'll find this true for us as well. And then we'll go back to the question we started with. 
that if we putting so much of our time and effort into learning, so of course we want to come out with the ideas of Torah. We want to come out with the And then the last point, really what you said now is all the eights for learning. The last point, which can't be overlooked because the Gemara says this. And again, we don't have time now to elaborate and explain the Gemara in detail. We'll give it at a different time. But the last point is Tefillah. When the Gemara says, How should a person become a Talmud Chachim? He said, Yarbe B'yeshiv. Don't be focused on other things. Don't be focused on business. Put it But there's a second point also. And that is, After Yarbe B'yeshiv, Yispano L'misha Chachim Shalai. And that's an obvious point as well. If learning Torah is important to us, we also call the Baruch to go to the Siyar Dishmaya, to teach it to us, to help us remember it. The Torah, the very Torah, should be befin of the fiftieth Amcha Beis Yisrael, and we should remember Torah. And of course, Twitter works as Twitter always works, especially if it's Twitter for Torah. And the two together, says the Gemara, Hava Laha, when the person's both of these together, he's learning a correct Mahalach, he's learning a way which is built to help him remember, and he davens for Siyar Dishmaya, and Beis Yisrael will be zeicher to become a Talmud Chacham, to know and more and more constantly increase and add to his database, so to speak, the amount of ideas at Torah, the foundation that he's built for himself in Torah.